What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of National Pastime. Got John Toaster and J-Rob here, and we are going live for the first time on YouTube. So if we fuck up, um, all zero of you that are watching the beginning of this broadcast, you will, uh, you'll know the caveat ahead of time. But did you get that bleep in there, intern J-Rob, or was it too fast? Is there a five-second delay? Yeah, seven-second uh, tape delay. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, we are here. Replay took for the fucking. <laughs> 49ers camp but anyways carry on yes anyway we are here to recap super wild card weekend all six games i'm just gonna get this out of the way now i went five and one in my picks both you losers went two and four so if you're looking for betting advice just you know come my direction don't i made don't it to, we made it to the next round i think that's what's important playoffs yeah playoffs are all about surviving survive in advance baby um but anyway there were six games really only two that were competitive although there were i think some very interesting storylines in each game we'll get to all of those but we're going to start with the cardinals at the rams and that debacle um from the cardinal standpoint anyway the rams just smashed them 34 to 11 uh this game was not close at any point um the rams just cruised really throughout but and we'll get to the rams i think in a minute here and maybe what it means for them as they move forward in the playoffs especially next round going to tampa but what the hell was that from the cardinals and i know they've been free falling you know as the season ended they just lost the seahawks in week 18 but we talked about okay what do they what can't they do right Kyler can't try to do too much. Well, <laughs> the pick six was, if you looked in the dictionary, doing too much, that's what you would see. Like, just absolutely. Sarah Marshall, well, you got to do something. And then that was the something. <laughs> right. Exactly. And it's like looking at Kyler in this game, like he he probably played the best game of his career in their their first matchup with the Rams when they beat them earlier in the year. And this may very well have been the worst game I've ever seen him play. I mean, he saved, I think, some of his stats a little bit. Well, <laughs> maybe not, but saved him a little bit in garbage time, really, of this game. But th that was absolutely one of the worst games I've ever seen him play. And he's lucky like, as hell. It was the worst game? Because I've got a quote here from Cliff Kingsbury pregame. And he said, I think this is what he's been waiting for for three years. He's a guy who wants to be playing for something and knows he's playing for something. This is the first shot at the playoffs, and I expect him to probably play the best game of his career. Well, I think we we all know that Cliff probably isn't the one we need to be going to for uh, any sort of evaluation and on talent late here. season advice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But Kyler is so fucking lucky that he plays in Arizona because Cliff will bear the brunt of this collapse and he may very well lose his job for it we'll see about that but if this if this was a big market team he would be getting roasted all off season about not being able to show up in the big moment you waited three years for this you know you talk all this shit and whatever and you go and lay that egg i mean he would be getting killed imagine if he was in the new york market like <laughs> we'd be talking would, about it I, I it would, would be on every channel 100 percent. other than they still might have daniel jones as their quarterback um next season so um yeah. there's a level of your ability to move on from somebody but if you needed a summary in this game at the end of this at the end of the first half obj had more passing yards than kyler murray so there you go who's your quarterback who's your future uh so it doesn't look good for the cardinals yeah, so you're saying the Cardinals should probably go after OBJ this offseason. Right? I, I would. I mean, he's never he's never done anything but, you know, help teams to, to make the playoffs, right? He's now made it with the Giants. He's made it with the Browns and made it there with the Rams. Go. There you go. Uh, so my question really is, and I'll, I'll kick it to you guys maybe to get your thoughts on whether we think Cliff is going to be back or not and what that means for them. But where do the Cardinals really go from here? Because... They seem to have really tapped out, I think, their ceiling with this roster is currently constructed. They really needed a leap 
from Kyler to even be in the conversation. They seem they got it, you know, for the majority of the year. I know they were missing D Hop in this game, but you look at this roster, it's very thin. And next year they have four key players whose cap hits go up significantly. So Hopkins goes from 12 and a half to 25.1. JJ Watt goes from 4.9 to 15.9. Buda Baker goes from 7.8 to 14.8. And Rodney Hudson from 2.9 to 12.6. I mean, they're going to be sitting there. They have about 5 million in effective cap space going into the offseason, which puts them about 19th in the league. And while it's not the worst situation, they have 39 players under contract. Most of the teams that are below them are in the 40s or are already paying a quarterback big money. The Cardinals are going to have to make that decision on Kyler, too, in the next couple of years. So yeah, they're in a tough spot. It's not a good situation. I think that as long as D-Hop wants to be there, that's their biggest saving grace as far as some cap relief. But the, the roster construct is not good, knowing that they're going to need to start paying Kyler. Um, a year after next and it's not a big market and i don't to me the best thing for them as far as constructing a roster next year is getting a coach that people can believe in and want to stick around because right now that's not cliff kingsbury he he hasn't won more than two games of his last seven since what did i text you 2015 with patrick mahomes like he just they don't close yeah. out games there he's not a effective coach once people figure out his system, they they need to move on. There's been no development of Kyler Murray. You can't make that. You can't make that uh, pick six in the end zone. And the worst part about it to me was he had almost three and a half, four seconds. Back a lot of time. You've got to have some pocket presence to know that. Okay, I've got to. I've just got to get rid of this. I can't sit around forever because guess what? I can't run 15 fucking yards backwards like I normally do because I'm in the end zone already. So his yeah. number one go to was taken out of his bag and took six points all the momentum not that there was momentum for the for the uh cardinals but any chance of building some momentum for the cardinals away and they were down 28 nothing to me this was this wasn't the largest deficit that any one team faced this weekend but 28 to nothing is way worse than the beatdown of 30 to nothing um that the 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 bucks had against the eagles right like this was supposed to be a competitive game. These were two teams that matched up well, split mm-hmm. this split the season series, and there was just a no-show from the Cardinals. Yeah. I, I mean, so do we think Cliff is done? That is he out? I don't think he's out. I think he should be out. I don't think that anyone has a ball sack big enough in Arizona to ultimately make that move. I, and I don't know why, because there's been nothing in his resume that makes him deserving of another chance right i think yeah. if your goal is to win a super bowl you see what you have in cliff and you know that he's not excelling you to that next level mm-hmm. and while you have this roster this construct you are probably the second most desirable position outside of dallas right now if, oh yeah if, if they opened if, up exactly so you can get anyone and everybody that you want right now if you want a byron left which there's no way that he's not coming back to Arizona to be the head coach right now so Mm -hmm. you take advantage of that window and you say okay you got a young quarterback he's on a cost-controlled contract for next year still very reasonable the year after that with a 50-year option and we can we can build something around this right you've got the one of the best wide receivers to ever play the game if not the best quite frankly D-Hop is another animal um let's let's go right like this is our window we won 11 games with this fuckhead as head coach what can we mm-hmm. do with somebody that actually is able to manage a game, pump people up? And the biggest thing for me is I, I hadn't noticed it until J-Rob said something around Kyler Murray's body language. But sitting on the bench down 28 nothing in a playoff game, you just you can't do that as a leader. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Like, I don't care if you're getting your shit rocked in a regular season game, I'll let it pass. Right. Cause that's just one, right? Like, I mean, mm-hmm. it will be 162 games. You're like, okay, yep. Let's, let's let this one go. But on a one and done, you got to be there fighting till the very end, regardless of any other circumstances. And mm-hmm. they're just sitting on the bench acting dejected. Like they have no chance. Like where, where's the belief going to come from? And to me, that ultimately boils down to coaching. Yeah, it it does. Somebody needs to, I mean, frankly, a fucking vet on that team needs to grab him. Like, where's Rodney Hudson? 
you know, really like, I don't know, you go up and down that roster, maybe a Zach Ertz or a JJ Watt, right? Like where are those guys telling like, you need to set the example, the juxtaposition of having Russ on the Manning cast saying he needs to be going up and down the sideline, letting everybody know that they still have a chance and they, they got to keep pushing to the shot of Kyler sitting there on the bench, like head down by himself, not talking to anybody was as pretty damning. Um, I mean, you know, that's position to me of just JJ Watt being there. Like I ripped everything apart in my upper body and I'm coming out for this game. There is no yeah. reason for me to be here other than a chance to win this game and play one more game next week, one more game the week after that. Like it's one game at a time and mm-hmm. you're going to sit here on the bench and just pout that you've been defeated. Like I, I would lose my shit quite frankly. Yeah, that was, it was a tough look for Kyler. I, I hope he learns from me. He's still really young, obviously. And I, I love Kyler. Like he's dynamic. He's very fun to watch, but we saw a little bit of his limitations in this game. It wasn't just, you know, um, that mistake, that glaring mistake in the end zone. He missed a ton of easy throws and like stuff that, and he makes some incredibly difficult throws every single week, but it's like, if you can't hit those layups from the pocket when they're given to you, you know, you're going to have issues. And he wasn't able to really break out. Like the Rams did a great job containing him. Um, you know, I thought he, especially after some early issues with that offense, he, you might see him just say like, fuck it, I'm going to run around and try to, you know, win this with my legs. We didn't really get to see that from him because the Rams did such a good job. So at, yeah, all around, very, very tough game for the Cardinals. They're going to have to really think about things this offseason. And I, I agree with you, though. If they cut bait with Cliff tomorrow, that probably becomes the number one job that's available um, based on the current openings. And and maybe, you know, even if the Cowboys opened up, I, I'd still probably take the Cowboys job. But still, <laughs> you know, it's, it's there. It's right up there. Yep. So interesting i mean i was not expecting that i don't think any of us were expecting that level of beatdown. yeah i don't think we were expecting it to be quite so abysmal but cliff just never got kyler in a rhythm and uh sean mcbay did the exact opposite with jared with uh jared goff almost um <laughs> with matthew stafford right like he's just like okay let's let's get you flowing let's get you in in this right state of mind let's have some success early on and yeah. you use that momentum, that confidence that you build up with them, and it was just never there. I mean, I, I don't, I don't have it in front of me, but I think it was one, two, three, four, four straight three and outs, and then a punt, an mm-hmm. interception on mm-hmm. the third play of the the drive. So uh, mm-hmm. there's just no rhythm, n- nothing for them to get going behind yeah. and have some, you know, feel like they were in this game at any point in time. Yeah, for sure. Um, and you look at the Cardinals too, the, the Rams, frankly, like Cooper cup had what three catches in this game, like yeah, Stafford. There no one. Yeah. There wasn't any offense. Stafford had barely 200 yards. Both yeah. Rushers under hundred yards. Like, they but they ran the, sh- they didn't need to do much, but they did run the ball very effectively. They may not have had like the total yardage, but, um, I mean the first play of the game, Sony Michelle goes for like 40 yards and I think this is another thing. You start looking at the Cardinals and you start placing some blame on Cliff. Obviously, Kyler deserves some blame for the field or the play on the field in this one. But it goes up to Steve Kime. I mean, you look at their drafts recently. They're, they should be thanking the fucking stars that they got the number one pick and landed Kyler because every other one of those picks recently looks real bad. I mean, their last two drafts, they took two off-ball linebackers and you would think, okay, if that's what you're doing, if nothing else, you should be a team that stops the run. Those two guys can't even see the field for them, especially on early downs, because they don't know where to go. And like, it, I'm not saying that's entirely on time, but you look at these draft picks and this team as a whole, and maybe it's time they fucking clean house. I mean, you keep Kyler, obviously, but you know, get rid of the GM too. Um, it's just very, very weird situation there. But I, I think we do need to give, finally, at some point here, uh, transition the conversation to the Rams. So Stafford, you know, played well, didn't have to do too much, gets his first career playoff win. So good for him, gets that monkey off his back. And I think the Rams 
based on what we saw from Cam Akers in this game, look like they could be scary. Uh, Cam was running like, I mean, you wouldn't have guessed that he freaking had any injury within the last year, much less an Achilles rupture six months ago. I almost tweeted out a joke, but I felt like it might be taking bad taste. I was like, what was it? The whole season was just a stub toe because what he was, how (laughs) he was running was nothing representative of a major reconstructive surgery. No, like he needed for his Achilles. And that was absolutely impressive and terrifying for everybody that else remaining in the league. Right. Like, I mean, we'll get to our picks and preview for Rams bucks next week or uh, Mm -hmm. in our next episode, but that he ran real freaking hard. And unfortunately, Buda Baker found that out as well. I'm glad to hear that Buddha's up recovered heading back to Arizona. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Acres. I mean that, that adds a dimension to that offense that is going to be really tough for teams. Um, You know, Sony Michelle is obviously a, a good between the tackles runner, but He's, I mean, we saw it on that first play of the game. If that was Cam Akers that hit that hole, he's probably gone, right? And M- Michelle gets caught because he, <laughs> I, I think I said in our text chat that he runs like both his legs are 300 pounds. It looks like painful. Um, he actually reminds me a lot of Jordan Howard when I watch him run. But uh, Cam Akers adds a dimension to that that team that, I mean, I, I think, again, I'll hold, I guess, my pick until next episode. But um, they're going to give the Bucks some trouble. Yeah. As long as uh, Donald's on the field. Um, I don't know how many more people he can strangle without getting a suspension. <laughs> I don't think that it's actually going to happen in the playoffs. Yeah. But damn, dude, that looks like some anger management problems going on right there if you keep grabbing people by the neck. Dude, the funniest part is the back of his helmet says stop hate while you see him yeah. just trying to like strangle this dude. <laughs> trying to strangle the hate out of other people. Right. Yeah, Speaking exactly. of the defense, dude, like props for going after Von Miller. He's already proven, you know, that that was worth a move. He mm-hmm. helped really fortify that front line to just allow guys to drop back, let go into more coverage. And he helped give problems Same with Donald and Ramstar showed up and, I think mm-hmm. this also proved that the Cardinals probably don't have as many stars as we thought they did. I think outside of DeAndre Hopkins, mm-hmm. like who are you really going to label a star on that team? And star power is lacking. And like you were saying with the draft picks, like they're not developing mm-hmm. anybody and they have no mm-hmm. cap to go get anybody. I think they have to get rid of Cliff. I know I'm going back to the Cardinals, but if they don't get rid of Cliff, they're literally burying Kyler's career as a Cardinal into the dirt because you're not going to be able to evaluate him if he's going to be worth getting an extra contract. And are you going to pay him without knowing what he's going to be like? So they're going to be shocked if they don't, I'd be shocked. if They don't get rid of him. It's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to have to pay Kyler, but I agree. Like if, if you run it back with cliff with the lack of moves that they're really able to make here, I, I don't really know if you're changing much next year, right? Like, yeah, you'll have Hopkins back for sure. But uh, does DeAndre Hopkins make this game any closer than 34 to 11? I don't think so. <laughs> not, not based on what we saw, especially going against Jalen Ramsey. Like, I know he, he does well against him, but, you know, you would imagine that they would have done their best to take him out of the game. So it's, oh. it's tough, man. And we'll get to the 49ers here in a minute. But, like, they're in that division where the 49ers, you know, look like they're going to be, if not – solid if nothing else right for the foreseeable future and the seahawks you don't really know what they're going to do yet but if they keep russ it's you know reasonable to say that they're going to be in the conversation as well that that you're going into like it was all the things we talked about before the year about how tough that division was and the issues that could present um all of the teams but you know the cardinals especially and they got you know came out of the gates hot kyler looked like an mvp candidate and they were able to, you know, I, I guess surprise some people. But now that it's all caught up to them and, you know, kind of retroactively or whatever, li- looking back at the season, it's like, yeah, they overachieved a little bit. And where do we go from here? So remember when Kyler was an MVP candidate and all the Arizona fans were clamoring that they weren't getting their due respect at 7-0? Yeah. Like, this is, yeah. like, this is why it's this is why to me. But the bigger point is that this was their window. This was them with 
an electric quarterback on a rookie contract, this is the time that you need to make a move and yep. you're wasting your years with Cliff Kingsbury. You've got one more year left, maybe two, depending on how you want to say that, you know, that's still a budget contract in his fifth year option to mm -hmm. actually make moves. And Cliff is holding you back. There's no doubt in my mind that you are not going to reach your full potential with him at coach right now. So why hang on to him? Where's the loyalty? What's the reason you have? I get loyalty for a team like, we'll say the New York Giants. Like, okay, you fired three quarterback or three head coaches after two years. Like, why would I want to go there? Like, where's my opportunity for growth mm -hmm. on this? You're like, okay, I've got a star studded roster. We made the playoffs. I can take this team to the next level. I want that job. And so you get rid of the dude that's holding you back right now and have one of the most appealing openings in the NFL. I, I just don't understand how he's still there today. Yep. If I'm the All Cardinals, right. <clears throat> I'm going after Brian Flores. He's a guy that could instantly give you an identity, a guy that probably could handle getting punched in the face a bunch in that division. Mm -hmm. Like I know he's getting chopped by everybody, but he would be the first on my list if I was the Cardinals. I, would I think go Byron over i think flores yeah yeah i think left which would probably be my my lean as well but i i think flores from a culture standpoint yeah i i agree with you for sure yeah without right. the history of byron it, that would change things but the fact that byron right. was there already under arians all yeah, right we're going to another sure. head coach that should be fired <laughs> uh are we going to talk about the patriots already or no oh, i'm damn. just kidding <laughs> <laughs> just kidding just kidding yeah i think we should go niners cowboys here so uh the 49ers go to dallas we got to talk about jerry world here a little bit and the stadium construction but they win 23 to 17 despite jimmy g really trying to lose the game um i guess my my question my overall question uh to you that i, I really want to get your guys take on here the last play call for Dallas, bad call or bad execution or both? To me, it's 100% mm -hmm. a bad play call because you put the game in the ref's hands. Like that is what every, like if you went every boilerplate speech from a coach that lost a tough game or had a bad call against them, they're just like, we can't let, we can't put it in the ref's hands. We can't let them, you know, be the deciding factor in that play call. All you, the only things that you could control was when Dak went down and outside of that, I mean, that ref tripped, got like sidetracked, was drunk on the job. I don't fucking know. Like <laughs> you, you can't take that risk because you have no opportunity to stop the clock. So to me, it's a bad play call. I think that the analytics show that the difference between a Hail Mary from 40 plus yards and 25 plus yards are not all that spectacularly different. So mm -hmm. would you rather have two shots at 10% conversion or one shot at 10% conversion and the opportunity or the chance that you may not even get that one playoff. So yeah. to me, bad play call. Yeah, I, I think I agree mostly. Um, the execution was definitely off though. Like I've been, you know, hearing a lot of people talk about it and really with that strategy, you need to have something around 17, 18 seconds left on the clock. They had 14, but I also think Dak maybe extended that run a little too far. Um, and that needs to be something that's communicated as you're making that, um, that call or putting that call in. Um, for Not him for to get down to step up and actually coach yeah well yes so mike uh, mccarthy one thing worth noting i talked to my brother about this because he played center in college uh asking him about that play what he thought of it mm -hmm. and he said he didn't hate the play as long as they practiced it but he knows they didn't practice it because the center wasn't demanding the ball He's like, yeah. the ref always has to set the ball and the center knows that. And the fact that that wasn't communicated or executed upon means mm -hmm. that it was kind of like a fly on the seat of your pants. He felt like it was a fly on the seat of your pants call. And so mm -hmm. that's why he didn't like it. But if yeah. they set that, if the if the center's ready and gives him the ball, I think they can get that play off. But so, yeah, I guess yeah. just it's 100%. a bad play call because it wasn't prepared, which I guess well, would make it bad execution as well. It. 
so that that was I don't know if the then the, the details weren't on. discussed, which yeah, I wouldn't be surprised on. that McCarthy's a macro kind of guy. Exactly. Yeah. So when it came yeah. down to time management, but that that's the point to me as far as it being a bad play call is what it what is a gain you versus what is the risk? And there was a mm-hmm. lot of risk that you were putting in the ref's hands by executing. Uh, I mean, what was it ultimately like a 12, 14 yard run? Like that's a lot for the umpire to to catch up with and maybe who knows mike mccarthy's still living in fucking 2008 when the umpire used to be on the opposite line the side of the line of scrimmage right where you're basically running right at the umpire versus him right trailing the game or trailing the play by 15 yards uh yeah that just, uh, it was bad look um bad look for kellen moore i think that that's going to hurt him quite a bit in these uh, coaching evaluations moving forward and uh, again i Ditto to everything I said about Kingsbury for Mike McCarthy. For me, I don't know how you feel. Yeah, I, I mean, he needs to go. You're you're sitting on one of the most talented rosters in all of football. And, you know, a quarterback that while Dak didn't have his best game, I don't think Dak was the reason that they lost this game. And it, McCarthy is every turn it feels like making the wrong decision whether that is a a fourth down call to go for it or uh his his time management his use of timeouts all of that stuff is just awful and you can't waste a good roster with a terrible coach and i'm it'd be one thing if this was kellen moore okay and he's your head coach and he's young and he's learning on the job as he goes with a lot of this stuff. This is a fucking retread that is boring, that the only reason he has a job is because Aaron Rodgers won him a Super Bowl. And he brings nothing to the table. Like we've shit on him all year and rightfully so. They won't move on, but they absolutely needed to. I... I want them to lose both Kellen Moore and Dan Quinn. Like that's like, that's why I think that there hasn't been an official announcement yet is that neither of them have been offered a job. I think yeah. as soon as one of them is offered a job, they have to pivot real quick and say, okay, just come to us with whatever offer you have. This is a mm-hmm. you know, like typical negotiation. Just bring it back. You're, you're the dude, right? Dan Quinn is probably where I'd lean over Kellen Moore at this point, but they would try to yeah. keep Kellen Moore as well. And just say, guess what? The world is your oyster. If you get a head coach opportunity, we're gonna give you our head coach opportunity because we can't we can't fire McCarthy without you know assurance that you're gonna you're gonna be here. And yeah. it all all the negotiations happen you know within an hour basically. Sure. They just gosh, I I don't know. I'm not even a Cowboys fan. I'm an anti Cowboys fan. I like when the Cowboys are good because it's better for the NFL. But holy shit, like even I was like, what the fuck are you doing? Kyle Shanahan left. Uh, I, t- I texted you. I was like, is the bigger story going to be another late Kyle Shanahan collapse or Mike McCarthy clock management? Like there was no lose scenario in this game. It played out right for both of those storylines. <laughs> I guess so. Although I will say uh, the late collapse I had nothing to do with Kyle Shanahan and it was Jimmy G trying his damnedest to give this away. Now he'll likely get out of this game without too much catching too much heat because they ultimately did win, but we really need to like focus on some of his awful moments, like him missing Ayuk on that double move uh, that was, yeah, I mean, he shook Trayvon Diggs. (laughs) <laughs> and and he missed him like completely like not even fucking close and then frankly he's lucky that he sucks so bad because if he completes that ball to george kittle and doesn't bounce it and kittle still fumbles i mean that's that's probably the game right the cowboys yeah. probably score there and uh and win so um i mean kudos to kyle shanahan and what he's able to do with Jimmy G as his quarterback and somehow convincing like several Jimmy G stands that this dude is actually good and not the problem because I don't get it. And I know some of the like advanced metrics occasionally uh, support Jimmy G like his EPA per play is pretty good. Um, But 
he just doesn't offer you anything. I mean, if Trey Lance was ready to go, I would hope Kyle Shanahan would, you know, put him in next week if possible. I don't think that's the case. He's not going to do that to a rookie in Lambo. But like Jimmy is going to get absolutely worked. Remember what Kaepernick did in in Lambo? That's so, true. Keep keep uh, that in your back. Keep that in your back pocket. No, I I agree. Jimmy G didn't do anything to help them once the game should have been in hand. And one more thing that I want to just shit on Mike McCarthy for real quick is that <laughs> every book that I've seen, it, they should have gone for two points after that touchdown that they scored. They should have tried to make it either a seven-point yep. game or a five-point game. And they went with six. And the most nervous part for me was after that Kittle not fumble was like, holy shit, he's going to be right because now they're going to go win the game. But to yeah. me in the analytics, every right call was keep yourself in the game as long as possible. If you go for two there and you make it, you can allow a 49ers field goal and you're still only mm-hmm. in a one possession game. So right. there's just nothing that he's offering is something that I want to be a part of right now. And uh, Jerry's in his own little world where you can't fucking see out of the, you know, whenever you're facing West and your punts <laughs> can't actually travel the full distance that they need to, because you basically put a fucking blockade in there. I didn't know we were playing Mario Kart in a NFL stadium. I mean that, uh, what was that stadium? 1.1 bill or something. Yeah. And to have you, Two design flaws that showed up in the same game. <laughs> Just absolutely atrocious. And but um, the thing is, like, if you do a design flaw, you do it so that you have a home field advantage, right? Like a design flaw, flaw that you can coach around, game up. You know that, you know, okay, we're going to take the ball in the first half so that we don't have to deal with sun, whatever. Right. It's just fucking a shitty, really expensive stadium with basically escorts that are in their lingerie on the sidelines like that's that's <laughs> the appeal of jury world right now yeah hey there's worse places to be she's I, a nice I'd lady sorry that yeah. wasn't that wasn't directed at you <laughs> uh my last thought on this game here is dak was named the nvp and i he just does. love the yeah. I, yep i love the idea of the the losing quarterback of this game getting the mvp every year did he get slimed or did he back out of that too i'm sure he backed out of it but i think i saw a graphic of uh mitch handing the mvp to dak (laughs) it was glorious um so i that you know tickled me i i loved how much pregame chatter there was where all the cowboys came out that said yeah we'd totally get slimed if we win and i'm like well you know like let's focus on the win part versus what you're gonna do with the slime afterwards right and glad glad it played out like it did um the 49ers are they're gonna be a tough out but holy shit how did they not recognize a fake punt was an opportunity on that drive to keep the cowboys alive like db just turned booked it and mm-hmm. the guy was open by 15 yards I'm like okay yeah. yeah brian anger 16 yards one for one best passer rating of the game <laughs> yeah good for him it, maybe he uh, could be the 49 well no they got trey lance <laughs> but th- there's a couple qb jobs uh that are open from these games that you know or at least should be open we'll see um and all right, just real quick, it this camera only covers like up to you know like your jersey number. So if you want to talk about Debo Samuel at all, we won't see your erection. Oh, okay, yeah, Debo man, holy fucking shit! Like, I just I don't understand how we just forgot about him because he was hurt last year. Like, because two years ago he his rookie year was very similar to this. And I mean, Shanahan now is just knows exactly how to deploy him. He's a fucking monster. Um, and we, we're, t- you know, texting about it a little bit, but Debo is probably going to get paid the way Le'Veon Bell thought that he should have been paid as a running back and receiver a handful of years ago. So Debo fucking, if, if the 49ers have any chance against the Packers, Debo's going to okay. have to pop off. Yeah. 
percent. Yeah, but I mean, you put Debo, Elijah Mitchell, and the Trey Lance Wildcat in there that you've been hiding all season. That seems like it might be the kryptonite for the Packers. I don't know. What do you think, intern J-Rub? In regards to that matchup or just how I feel about that game? In regard to that three-headed monster that Kyle Shanahan's created. Um, Trey Lance, Debo, well, I still don't, Elijah Mitchell. I mean, I still have no faith in Trey Lance. So, I mean, if the, <laughs> if, the, if the main part of that Wildcat is the one you don't want having the ball every snap, I'm not that worried about it. Um, I know I'm, I'm always going to be a Niners hater. Like it's just, it's going to happen. Um, but they're fucking scary, man. They are, they are scary. I grossly underestimated them all year. The second I called them a fraud, they went on what, like an eight and two run. Um, but man, G- Jimmy's definitely not the answer, but like, I don't know what you do because I don't think Trey is going to be ready even next year, let alone next week. And yeah, I agree on that. Like, what do you do? Do you just tread water with Jimmy and hope that you continue to draft well and make good contracts? Or like, I don't, or do you just take the growing pains with Trey next year? Like, I don't, I don't know. It's almost like the NFL sets us up to have off season podcasts somehow. Right. True. <laughs> the drama continues to unfold. The uh, drama continues. We'll have to see what Bosa and Warner, um, their availability is left next week because those would be big, big hits. But um, mm-hmm. congrats to the 49ers for getting the job done. And The only underdog that won. Parlay, yeah. Yeah, ruined my fucking parlay, sons of bitches. Also the only road team to uh, yep. win this week. Mm-hmm. All right. I think we should probably transition to the other game, only other game that was really competitive, uh, the Raiders at the Bengals. So the Raiders uh, end up falling in this one. The Bengals went 26 to 19. Um, but I don't have too many thoughts about this game as a whole. Um, you know, it was nothing really spectacular from the Bengals or Joe Burrow. You know, I, I thought he he showed off some of his like elite skill in this, but he didn't have to do a ton. I think the real story of this game is how terrible the officiating, officiating was, though. Right. Ugh. Yeah. Jerome is not refing another game this super this uh, postseason. That was his crew. That crew is, yeah. Um, And I've said it a couple times that now that sports betting is getting more and more mainstream, that it's going to be tougher and tougher to allow games like that to go. And that was that was rough. I'm sorry. Like I, I don't think that ultimately the officiating impacted the outcome. Like if you talk about the the whistle or the inadvertent whistle on that touchdown right. pass that Joe Burrow threw like that was that was happening regardless. Nobody stopped on the play. But yeah. by the letter of the law, that's an inadvertent whistle. Should have been replayed. It it's to me very typical of the NFL where they pick and choose how they want to enforce the rules because that was one where it clearly by the letter of the law should have been replayed. And I think everybody in New York actually knows that. But that's not yep. the official statement from the NFL. Yeah. And it- I'm that's one where I'm glad they didn't, you know, stick to the letter of the law because the call ultimately or like, you know, what happened on the field played out, like you said, the way it should have Um, the whistle blow, like the official blowing the whistle, you know, prior to that is another piece of that whole debacle. Like, Mm -hmm. what the fuck are you doing? Like, it wasn't even close. Yeah. You know, it, I don't know if he's trying to protect Joe Burrow potentially. It's probably where it's coming from. But like, yeah, it, that was just atrocious all around. The Raiders, you know, applaud them for persevering this season and making the playoffs. But um, they didn't really deserve to be there, I don't think. so. But they made it to the end of the game. Like, they were couple plays away um to me this again comes back down to coaching and why this should be um as much as um i appreciate what uh um whatever biscotti whatever united airlines gives out delta airlines gives out on your (laughs) trips um you know appreciate the job he's done but why they would spike the ball on first and goal with 30 seconds left how much time do you think you need unless you're running the ball on one right. of those plays, you don't need 30 seconds to get off four plays. So you might as well, at the very least, just have something that says, I'm going to throw a jump ball that is, I'm going to throw it, you know, eight feet high out mm-hmm. of the back of the end zone. Maybe Darren Waller is tall enough 
athletic enough to get it. If not, that was my spike, and we take six extra seconds off. But at least right. we made an attempt at trying to, you know, score. Yeah. And I was most curious because I think they probably would have gone for two, quite frankly, if they had scored at the end there Ooh. and just tried to close it out. That would have been interesting. I, I would have definitely loved to see that from a team that just squeaks into the playoffs right. on the road. That would have a been coach cool. That, coach that's, you know, already on yeah. a hit list, basically, right? He knows he's got yeah. nothing unless he wins a Super Bowl. Yep, for sure. Now, um, all in all, you know, the, the Bengals took care of business. They, you know, have the pleasure now playing the Titans, who are rested with tractor Cito coming back so we'll see what it looks like for them next week but um you know joe burrow with the way he's playing right now and the way jamar chase is playing i i don't think you can necessarily count them out um but they weren't necessarily all that spectacular in this one yeah and i love how the nfl gets to apps i think they would have preferred the bills chiefs matchup to be around later but they get to just bury uh, the Titans and the Bengals in the Saturday afternoon game on Saturday. Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> I mean, I, I would have liked to have seen this chiefs bills matchup go one week later as well, but you know, we'll take it. Um, any last thoughts on this game before we move on? I, I don't think we need to linger too long. Okay. Um, then the, the final three games here really were not competitive at all. But I think we should go to the Patriots at the Bills. Um, the Bills win 47 to 17. Um, dildos were thrown, tables were smashed. Uh, toaster, how are you feeling after this one? I got to catch up on two episodes of BattleBots that I was behind on. So that was nice. nice. Um, no, uh, <laughs> to me, this is, this is very different to me than the Cardinals loss like you were you were hopeful as a Patriots fan that you could stay competitive with the Bills but you weren't delusional that you were a Super Bowl contender at this point and when I yeah. say Super Bowl contender I'm not saying that the cards couldn't fall right and you ultimately make it there it's that you just know that you don't have the same power on offense that these other teams do you weren't you aren't the Chiefs you aren't the Bills you were hoping that your coaching could overcome things whereas the Cardinals have the talent to say we should have been there. Um, 17 points from the Patriots. I was obviously um, taking the Patriots with points in this, and 17, 24 points I honestly thought was going to get it done. I did not expect a perfect game from a Buffalo's Bills defense against yeah. a Bill Belichick defense of offense. all things. Buffalo Bills offense. Buffalo Bills offense against a Bill, Bill Belichick defense of all things, right? Like seven straight possessions, seven straight touchdowns. They just had zero answer. And part of me wonders where Brian Dayball was with this running game the entire season because it's unstoppable once they start getting some balance going. Yeah, he, he's definitely figured it out. And I think that is going to serve him very well in some of these head coaching interviews. Um, I mean, Josh Allen, he's a fucking alien. I, when he broke, I don't, I don't know which DB's ankles it was, but when he broke that guy's ankles, I just like, you just need to pick yourself up and go home, man. It's fucking yeah. zero degrees. You just got hung out to dry by Josh Allen. Um, but I mean, Josh Allen was insane in this one. He finishes 21 of 25 for 308 yards. It's 12.3 yards per attempt. He had five touchdowns, zero interceptions, three big time throws. His average depth of target was 10 yards. I mean, he was insane. Um, and frankly, it's like you see the juxtaposition in real time there of why you draft for traits in, in certain positions, right? And with him and Mac Jones, um, you know, kind of lined up uh, across from each other in this one. And I, I made a note that we should have known it was over when they showed that clip midway through the first quarter of McDaniels trying to talk to Mac Jones. And he was like more concerned with what his breath looked like. <laughs> I'm like, okay, we're going to have some problems here. He's I think it was, <laughs> yeah, I think it was like seven, nothing at that point. But um, yeah, this was surprising to me. Like I, I'm with you. I thought if the Patriots got to 17 to 20 points, this would have been a close game. And this was just complete domination by the Bills offense. And I mean, they look scary. They, they look scary. They look 
very, very scary. Um, to me, um, there's been a lot of chatter. People are talking about trading Mac Jones at this point. I'm like, there's nothing on that game was what? Mac Jones's fault. Um, that first interception was a tremendous play um, by by Hyde. And oh my god, perfect, yeah, it wasn't a perfect throw by any means. He could have been two, three yards further outside, but holy hell, for him to come back and cover that entire half the field and get take basically steal a Nelson Aguilar inter, uh, touchdown, touchdown, from him. yeah. And then the second interception was a, again a tremendous drop back by the linebacker, tipped it up in the air. Um, there's no fault of Mac Jones, I'd say Mac Jones is probably one of the better players. Trent Brown was one that kind of phoned it in at the end. And they just couldn't get anything going in their running game. And that was what the strategy was. And if you can't get going in the running game when that's your primary strength, then you're you're going to get beat. And um, J-Rob, I know that you had asked what the uh, outcome of this means for Steve Belichick. And to me, there is no official defensive coordinator. There is no official play calling duties like everything under Bill Belichick is hush hush so i think that this is means for a relegation potentially for for steve and you know maybe push him back to a linebackers coach or something like that and keep a little bit more um mystery around who's actually calling the plays because it, they couldn't they couldn't stop them at all there are four incompletions on the game um nobody i mean i guess zach moss had one carry for zero yards but other than that they were averaging over five yards per carry whoever they gave the ball to so it, yeah. was, it was a poor defensive performance and that was unexpected but all, like you said terrifying where the bills are going yep as a patriots fan are you concerned that mac jones's arm strength is problematic in cold weather situations aka like the bills are going to be good for a long time like they're going to have to go through the bills. It's going to be cold as fuck in January. Are you concerned that his arm strength could be a problem late in the season when it's cold as shit out and you need to push the ball? He's already shown me more than like a Baker Mayfield, like than half the league out there, quite frankly, that I would take the um, drawbacks from Mac Jones over the positives of most of the league. I'm not saying that he's going to be a barn burner, that he's going to be able to take the Patriots consistently to the Super Bowl like Tom Brady was, but I think that they can scheme around him and be successful. And hopefully, for me, Josh McDaniels is gone. <laughs> I don't know if you're going to get your wish. I don't think I don't anybody's think so banging down the Patriots' door to make him their head coach right now after that performance. But um, all right. I think we should keep moving on here. I mean, again, the, these other two games uh, weren't all that exciting either, but the Eagles at the Bucks, uh, the Bucks went 31 to 15. I mean, you want a fucking insane Brady stat. Tom Brady is 17 and three in his last 20 playoff games. That is fucking absurd. Um, I mean, and you look at it too, like this game, it, would it surprise you to hear that Brady had the lowest average depth of target of any quarterback this week? Like 4.9. It was just like a classic Brady game. Get the ball out. It wears you out. Throwing for like 136 yards or something like that. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like it's it just classic Brady, right? Got the ball out. He wears you down. He punishes mistakes. And the Eagles ultimately couldn't keep up, especially with, the game that Jalen Hurts had, um, you know, Hurts was 23 of 46 for, um, or sorry, 23 of 43 for 258 yards. He had two interceptions. He had five turnover worthy plays per, uh, per pro football focus. Um, not necessarily the playoff debut that the Eagles wanted. And I think maybe we'll make them think twice a little bit about what they end up doing at that position moving forward. I mean, there were, I saw people on Twitter calling for Gardner Minshew just because he at least gives you a chance more consistently, um, you know, to throw the ball in that offense. And I mean, this was yeah. this was tough, man. Tough. That's a tough one. That is a tough one for the offseason because before this game, you were feeling that Jalen Hurts was your guy. He's done enough. He's shown enough. And then for him to drop this performance in the postseason makes you reevaluate everything. 
unfortunately for them their draft picks aren't as high as they were probably hoping i think they ultimately ended up at 15 16 19 whereas they were at top three for our top 10 for all three of those earlier in the year that might end up working out in their favor though because there's nobody really yeah yeah exactly so it's like you don't have to take a chance and really move up or try to you know take a swing on a guy you can use one of those three picks pick from the bunch of this group of like Kenny Pickett Matt Corral you know Sam Howell and you know see what happens really yeah um the bigger takeaway for me just because we're talking about going forward is the health of the Buccaneers they had two linemen that were banged up both of them um left for a period of time how Jensen came back in the game I have no idea because it looked like he was out for good and basically the next drive he was back in there and just said guess what I'm a big ass mofo and I'm gonna be a mofo in this game so um yep (laughs) If he didn't, if he if they had lost their center, I would have said the Bucks' chances were were completely sunk. But that there's a lot of injuries that they're dealing with right now, and mm-hmm. that that was again a costly win for them. Yeah, but it was still a pretty convincing one, and I I mean I I'm not ready to count them out, frankly. I mean with with Tom Brady with the star power that they do still have on defense with. Vita Vea, Nadamakin Sue, Shaq Barrett, Devin White. I, I mean, they're they're DBs. Um, Antoine Winfield Jr. and uh, I forget the guy's name, Whitehead. Like th- they come up and tackle. And you know, I they still have enough on defense there that I think you can, if you put together a good game plan with Brady on the other side of the ball, you're gonna have a chance. But I, it's. It's tough. I mean, if this team was fully healthy, we're probably talking about them oh, caked, having a cakewalk to the Super Bowl. Completely, completely different. And one more insane Brady stat. He's now caught a pass in two straight games. They were both on the sideline. <laughs> but I appreciate that, you know, he got a little bit of redemption against Philly, um, catching, catching <laughs> a out-of-bounds pass um, towards the end of the game. So There you go, Brady's Tom. Been, Brady's been working on it, that, that TB12 method. Yep. All right. Uh, That brings us to our last game of the weekend, uh, at least the last one we're going to talk about here. The Steelers at the Chiefs. Chiefs went 42 to 21. Um, This one, I mean, the Steelers took a 7-0 lead on that TJ Watt uh, touchdown. And it's telling that my first response wasn't oh shit this is going to be a game it was oh fuck they may have just poked the bear and it just went all downhill from there yeah um i mean this had no business we talked about it a little bit on the preview no business being the sunday night game and you know ben roethlisberger had a very Ben Roethlisberger-esque game, or at least what we've seen from him as of late. He was 29 of 44 for 215 yards. Um, He did throw two touchdowns, but he had two, uh, sorry, four turnover-worthy plays. And it, I mean, the the Steelers have no business being on the field. Like, he looked better than I had seen out of him for the past five games. Um, He was still making throws, and I mean... If you were to tell me that the Chiefs went on their first five possessions, three punts, a fumble for a touchdown and an interception, you're like, okay, wow, there's there's a chance here. And then Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs offense went and rattled off five straight touchdowns in the span yeah. of 12 game minutes. So yeah, um, you were exactly right on the poke the bear. I will say that this was my parlay pick more around the like – conspiracy theory rather than Mm -hmm. the actual feel of things chiefs didn't even give you a chance though (laughs) they they did for the first five possessions um Uh and yeah i mean i guess the best thing come out of this game was the the uh uh barstool uh tj watt versus Derek watt uh conundrum right (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right yeah um if you anybody listening hasn't seen that uh hank from pardon my take thought that he bet on tj watt to score the first touchdown at like plus twelve thousand five hundred, and he celebrated only to realize it was Derek watt the fullback for the chiefs and <laughs> won nothing uh, yeah that was pretty good 
Um, you know, the Chiefs, I don't think we need to say too much about them. Their, their offense has seemed to have found, found itself uh, again a little bit towards the end of the season. They're going to have a tough matchup with the Bills, but that's going to be a really good game, I think. The Steelers, on the other hand, though, they're obviously moving on from Ben Roethlisberger here. They have the ninth best cap situation going into the offseason as far as effective cap space. I think this team could be right back in it if they make the right move at quarterback. Yep. And I don't know what that move is. We'll have to see how kind of the pieces fall as we get going into the offseason here with some of these guys like Russell Wilson, Kirk Cousins, Aaron Rodgers. But I'm, I'm, I mean, this team. I thought they would be terrible. Yeah, they yeah, drug the ball from that. Uh, no, I'm not. In fact, they saved three million dollars just by cutting his ass. They probably should go ahead and do that. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's it, yeah, he's not the guy. But um, I'm shocked. You know, they they drug Ben through this year. Mike Tomlin had another masterful performance, and um, you know, avoiding another losing season. And I. I think they could be right back in this thing with the right guy. Yeah, I agree too. Um, the one more development for me for the Chiefs, since we care about the people that are still remaining, Jarek McKinnon is a fit in that offense and mm-hmm. is going to be lethal moving forward if they just you know kind of let their their egos get out of the way because he's doing what we thought Ceh would be doing, and but yeah, he's on a whole nother level right now. Yeah, um, twelve carries, sixty-one yards, but six six receptions, 81 yards and a touchdown out of the backfield. He's just, he's just too damn fast. That's too many people to cover. If you've got to cover Tyree kill, who's speedster, Jared kill or um, Jared McKinnon, who's a speedster. And then yep. Travis Kelsey, who's just a gigantic ass body who also now throws touchdown passes. Um, yeah. Like where are you going to, where are you going to go? You're, you're fucked. Yeah, seriously. And they have, even their secondary guys, right? Like Nicole Hardman is a fucking speedster. So he, he takes the top off the defense. You get routes going underneath with Kelsey and Hill on like a crossing route. I mean, yeah, if you have to account for one more guy like McKinnon, you're it's a losing game base out there. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. I think the chiefs might've found a little bit of a formula here. I'm not giving Patrick Mahomes like a complete redemption based on some of his struggles from this year, but 400 passing yards, five TDs against that defense that was stifling. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's stifling for five possessions. Like, I don't know where all of this, where we had time to do this. Was this a double overtime game that I was unaware of that they had extra time to throw for these, these yards and these touchdowns. (laughs) Because I have no idea. Basically turned it on, like I said, five touchdowns in 12 minutes of game time. That's just, that's terrifying. You know what they remind me of, honestly, is um, like the Warriors from their little run where you blink and all of a sudden you went from like being up 10 points to down 15, right? right. And it just feels like they can hit you so fast and you're just always like worried about that potential. Um, yeah, they're, they found their stride a little bit on offense. We'll, we'll see how they do against the bills. I mean, the bills defense is no joke. I know they've had some up and down games, but as a whole, that unit is very strong. And, um, the, the game's going to be in Kansas city was right. So, um, I, I think that helps them, you know, it's not fucking colder than a witch's titty in Buffalo. And maybe they'll, (laughs) All right. We'll be able well, to. You heard it here. We're going to reverse our typical um, podcast in our preview. Chiefs Bills first. You down? I'm down. I'm down. We'll, we'll get to that first. Night football reverse order. Let's do this. Yep. All right. Uh, any last thoughts on this game before we wrap up for the week, really? Uh, I'm just really, really proud that two teams this week had a thick six. Uh, I love seeing the big boys score some touchdowns. So oh, yeah. two thick sixes in a weekend is always a good sign for the NFL. So I was happy to see that. Oh yeah. I, you know, a big guy score, I think in the late great John Madden, uh, you know, had an awesome quote in the movie, the replacements where he said he loves when a big guy scores because you get a big guy touchdown and a big guy dance. Um, so J Rob, I know how much you appreciate the thick six. So yes, I agree. We can't let that go unnoticed. Um, all right guys. Well, that will do it for 
our super wild card weekend recap. We will get you the divisional round uh, preview in a couple of days. But I I think all in all, we're getting the to the point in the playoffs now where all of the games are going to be pretty competitive. The, this first round was a little touch and go there. But um, yeah, I'm excited. So uh, thanks for listening, everybody. And we will catch you later. Is it time to expand the playoffs to 16 teams per, per conference? Oh, yeah. God, please no. <laughs> uh, bold prediction. Uh, Dan Quinn's going to be Broncos head coach by the end of the week. Oh, you know, you know what I was... Go ahead. No, no, no. Go for it. Uh, he and Kellen Moore were listed, were like scheduled to be interviewed, and all other interviews for the rest of the week were marked as tentative. So I think they want one of those guys, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's Dan Quinn. So yeah. That's where my money's at. Uh, when we were talking earlier about the Cardinals possibly moving on from Cliff, my thought was that Dan Quinn would also be a very good uh, fit for that that team as well. So, um, all right. Yeah, we will monitor the head coaching carousel as well. I think we're probably going to start getting some movement this week, hopefully. You've got to move on from McCarthy if you're losing Quinn, right? Like, oh, yeah. Sacrifice McCarthy to save Quinn. Like, I didn't anybody read, like, Shakespeare or anything? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> Yeah, is was Mike McCarthy in Shakespeare? It, he he oh, has no, the no. the body. Yeah, no. all right. Some or something. I don't know. Okay, all right. That will do it for us, everybody. Uh, thanks for listening, and we will catch you later.